Well, good morning. It's so good to see you here. I do see some new faces here this morning, and I realize that there are lots of great churches that you could have chosen to worship in this morning, and we're delighted that you are at St. Mark's. Uh, We are in the midst of a sermon series here that we're calling The Enemies of Gratitude. The Enemies of Gratitude. And what we're doing is that we're looking at some scripture lessons, and we are calling out things that keep us from being truly grateful. We are naming things that prevent us from seeing the blessings right in front of us, right here and right now. If you've missed either or both of the first two weeks of this series, I've suggested to you that nostalgia and worry can be two of those things that keep us from being grateful that keep us from seeing the blessings in the right here and the right now. And today I would like to suggest a third thing that keeps us from being grateful, and that is entitlement. Entitlement. Our passage of Scripture is this text from Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 11. Several years ago, one of my friends worked for a major airline. And one of the perks of being a friend of someone who works for a major airline is that whenever you fly, uh, my friend would give me an opportunity to be on first-class standby. Now, here's what that means. You buy your coach ticket, but on the day of the flight, if there are empty seats in first-class, you have an opportunity to get an upgrade at no additional cost, and you get to fly first class. Now, my friend told me that there are almost always empty seats in the first class cabin, but what my friend did not tell me is that there are almost always more people flying first class standby than just me. And apparently, those people have a much higher status in the airline industry than my friend did, because despite multiple opportunities to fly on first-class standby, I never once got to fly in first class. The one thing that I remember about one particular trip is that I was actually sitting on the first row of coach so I could see into the promised land. (laughs) Now, they didn't want me to see because they pulled the curtains, but there was just a little crack in the curtains so that I could see what the haves were experiencing as opposed to what the have-nots. I could see the high-class from the no-class section. And... I was upset. I was upset because when I looked through that little crack in the curtains, I could actually see that there were first-class seats that were empty. And I thought to myself, I am flying first-class standby. I'm entitled to one of those seats in first-class. So I called the flight attendant over, thinking maybe she just was not aware of the situation. And so I said to her, 
pardon me, but I'm flying first-class standby today, and I can't help but notice through the little crack there that there are empty seats up there, and so uh, I just wanted to bring that to your attention. And she said, I'm sorry, sir, there are no seats available in first class. My entitlement told me not to stop there. (laughs) So I said, "Uh, well, then maybe you should offer me an explanation as to why I, who am flying first class standby, did I mention that? Can't get one of those seats that I clearly see is empty in the first class section. And again, the woman said, I'm sorry, sir, there are no seats available in first class. Well, my sense of entitlement caused me to push the envelope a little bit further, and I decided that since I was flying first-class standby, I could be a first-class jerk. I mean, she didn't know I was a preacher. I mean, one of those few opportunities, you know, where I could just let her have a piece of my mind, and so I said, you don't understand. I I have a first-class standby, and I'm entitled to one of those seats, and again, she said, sir, I'm sorry, but there are no first-class seats available, and I am sad to report that I am now approaching my 53rd birthday, and I've still never flown first-class. Although I am happy to report I didn't meet the U.S. Marshal that day, so it, it kind of worked out in my favor as I think about it. As I reflect on that story and I think about this story all the time, I, I, I'm thinking about how entitled I felt in that moment to one of those first-class seats. And what I realize about entitlement is that that day when I was so worried about trying to get that seat in first class, I was unable to be thankful and grateful for what I already had. I mean, after all, I'm flying in a cylinder 30-something thousand feet up in the air that can travel at speeds between six and 700 miles an hour. There is no other form of transportation that I could have been on that day that would have gotten me to my destination any quicker than the one that I was on. I could have been grateful for that. And, and, and while I could peer over into the promised land. I was thinking about Moses. You know, he got to peer over, but he was prevented from going to the promised land too. I I could see in there from my first class, from my first row on the coach, and I, I, I could have been grateful for the fact that even on the first row of coach, I had more leg room than just about anybody else that was on the plane that day, except for those folks that fly in the exit row, and I row, and I'm a little really like to do that. I'm afraid I can't perform under pressure. So I, so I was probably in the best seat that I could have been in that day. You know, I didn't have to worry at all about the traffic that day. I didn't have to worry about watching other travelers on the road. I didn't have to worry about stopping so that I could go to the bathroom or stopping so that I could get something to eat. In fact, there were people on that plane that actually their job was to come and serve me and offer me a, a little teeny tiny bag of pretzels and a, and a Coke. You know, while I was driving, I didn't have to worry about am I too, riding in that plane. I didn't have to worry about am I too tired to drive. 
I didn't have to worry about uh, paying attention to what was happening all around me. I I could sit there and I could take a nap. I could sit there and I could read a book. I could sit there and I could watch a movie on my iPad. You know, there was so much for me to be grateful for in that moment. But I was so wrapped up in my sense of entitlement that I deserve that seat that I clearly see is available in the first class section that I could not be truly grateful. Entitlement. Entitlement is what when we think we deserve something. Entitlement is when we think we've earned something. And I want to suggest to you that every single person in this room struggles at some point or another with a sense of entitlement. And if you are having trouble thinking of an instance where you've been entitled, let me just offer you this. Think about the last time you complained about something. Do you know why you complained about something? Because you thought it should be better. You thought you deserved more. You complained, I complain, out of a sense of entitlement. So today in our scripture, Jesus has been invited to dine in the home of a Pharisee. Now you might think that Jesus had been invited into this Pharisee's home because they just wanted to spend time with Jesus. But if you read just before our scripture lesson this morning, you learned that the reason why Jesus was invited to this Pharisee's home is so that they could test him. And while Jesus is in this home of the Pharisees, he begins to take note. There are all sorts of people in the room, and they're all jockeying for position at the table. It's as if back then it's just the same as it is now that the closer you can actually sit to the one who invited you to the party, the one who the party is for, uh, the higher your own sense of status is, the, the, the greater honor that has been bestowed upon you. You see this all the time. If, if you've ever been to a wedding, you realize that the folks that are the closest to the front, they're the groomsmen. They're the people in the family. They're the closest friends. They are in those positions because they are honored guests. And that's exactly what was happening in our scripture that day. Jesus is noticing all these people jockeying for position. It's like they showed up early and they placed their bulletins on the pew so nobody would get their seat. Or it's like they put their napkin in the in the chair so that everybody would know that this chair has been spoken for at the table. And when Jesus is watching this, it leads Jesus to tell a parable. It leads Jesus to tell an illustration with a point. And and the parable that Jesus tells is that if you are invited by the host to come to a party, don't sit in the place of honor. Because if you think you're entitled to sit up front with the the host of the party, there's a good chance that somebody more important than you was invited to that party. And all of a sudden, the host is going to come up to you and say, I'm sorry, sir, there are no seats available in first class. And you are going to have to take your place sitting in coach. Instead, what Jesus says to do is take this last row 
in coach back there by the lavatory. And maybe, just maybe, the host will come and get you and say, Oh, no, Tommy, you've got a seat in first class today and lead you all the way to the front. But if you sit in that seat of honor and then all of a sudden you are told that you have to leave, you're going to get red-faced. It might be out of embarrassment, but it might also be out of sense of entitlement. How dare you move me out of this great seat and try to tell me that I'm supposed to go sit somewhere else? That's what Jesus says. Jesus says that the point he's trying to make is, is that if you exalt yourself, if you think you're entitled to that first-class seat, if you make a big to-do about it, you are going to be humbled. But if you start out sitting in the worst seat, you may just find that you've been exalted and you've invited to sit in the place of honor. Jesus is telling this story because he's watching all of these people jockeying for position in this room, thinking that they deserve the best spot at the table. And as I read this story, I think about how often we do the same thing, how often we jockey for position, how often that we act just good enough that we think that we can get what we deserve or what we expect or what we demand, or what we want. We spend our entire lives trying to earn a better position than where we are. Now you might say, preacher, you may do that, but I don't. And I would say to you, well, you're right, then I do do that. As I look back over the course of my life, I've done it a lot. I've, I've always tried to earn a better position than where I started out. I grew up in a poor to middle class family, and I didn't have a lot. You know, I, I've preached stories before about how that my mama used to go buy Izod shirts with holes in them at a yard sale just so she could cut the tiger off the front, the alligator off the front, and sew it onto a cheaper shirt so that it looked like that I was wearing the clothes that other people had. And so I decided when I finally got my first job, no longer was I going to wear a fake Izod shirt. I was going to go buy an Izod shirt. And so I spent my very first paycheck going down to Daly's Menswear on the square of Pulaski, Tennessee, and buying clothes that I had no business buying because I felt like I was trying to earn a better position in life. I learned to drive in a 1970 lima bean green Plymouth Duster. Now, in later years, the Plymouth Duster was kind of tricked out, and it was really stylish, but not in 1970, folks. It was an ugly, ugly car. And I had to drive around in that ugly lima bean car while other people had these much nicer cars. You know, even today, I still have a habit of, I drive a car till it falls off the road, but I'll buy a new one because I'm trying to earn a better position or at least in my mind, think that I've arrived at a better position. 
I've done that throughout my life. I, my dad worked in a factory, come home black as soot every single day, and I just remember thinking, I'm going to go to college because I want a better position in life. I, I want people to respect me. I want some fancy degree with, like, rev in front of it or, or something like that. You know, I, I was trying to better my position. And that's exactly what all of us, I think, try to do. I've spent a better part of my life trying to do that. Now, hear me when I say this. There is nothing wrong with trying to better yourself in life. I think every single one of us ought to be trying to better ourselves. But the danger becomes when we start trying to put ourselves in a better position, when we start trying to earn a better position in our life, we, we, we risk becoming entitled. We risk getting really upset if we work really hard to get that better position, and for some reason, we're still sitting on the first row of coach looking into the promised land. And when we get entitled like that, it is really hard for us to be grateful for what we already have. It's hard to be grateful for the ways in which God has already blessed us. And the problem is, is that once we get entitled, all we want is more and more and more. Nothing is ever satisfactory. We get this, and we're like, okay, I deserve this. I deserve that, too. And it's a, it's a hamster wheel that is difficult for us to ever get off. And so what I would like to suggest to you this morning is that let us not get to that point where we are so entitled that we cannot be grateful. When you get entitled, you think that you're getting it because you've earned it, because you deserve it. You lose sight of the fact that everything ultimately that is good in this world is a gift, a gracious gift from God. We need to ground ourselves in gratitude. On Wednesday night at our soulful service, I, I told the story of, of um, sorry, when I pushed that up, it got really loud, didn't it, Chelsea? Just keeping you on your toes. Um, I told the story on Wednesday night about a woman that I pastored in uh, Fayetteville, Tennessee. Her name was Earlene Patrick. Earlene was one of the saints of that church. She's gone on to join the church triumphant now. But Earlene was one of those people that just ministered to me more than I ever ministered to her. And, and one of the things that I remember Earlene Patrick saying is that every day that she wakes up, she tries to thank God for something that she's never thanked God for before. It was her way of never feeling entitled. It was her way of remembering that even when life's not going particularly well, there are still things in life for which we can be grateful, for which we can express gratitude to God for. And so every morning she would do that. It got to be a running joke. When I would see her at church, and she came to church all the time, you know, during the week, she'd just stop by to say hello. I'd say, Earlene, what are you grateful for today? And she would say some of the craziest things that I'd never once thought to be grateful for. 
But that's how committed she was to being grateful. And when we become entitled, when we think that everything that is ours is ours because of our hard work or because we deserve it or because we've worked hard for this position of honor, it can only make us less grateful. It becomes an enemy to gratitude. So try to better yourself whatever way you can. But couple that bettering with moments of gratitude for what God has given you. 